Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to gather once again uh, here at the well. Thank you, Father, for uh, really a celebration of what you're doing, uh, even as we recognize uh, Randy and Tracy coming on board to help shepherd your people. And, and now, Father, as we open your scripture and uh, specifically begin a journey through the book of Ephesians, Father, uh, we recognize our absolute dependence upon you. We love your word. We love the truth of your word. And we recognize and ask you, Holy Spirit, to, to help bring the understanding and the application. So that, Father, as we not only hear it, but we do it, we are transformed more and more into the image of Jesus, all for your glory. So, Lord, lead us and guide us as we open your word. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Before we get to Ephesians, I just uh, want to kind of continue along the lines of what's happening in the culture and what we're doing as a church uh, to kind of prepare for contingencies. Last Sunday, we spoke about Psalm 46. And part of Psalm 46, uh, it was based on uh, the Assyrian army, 200,000 or so soldiers uh, laying siege to Jerusalem, right? And King Hezekiah... Uh, in Jerusalem, knew that the Assyrians were advancing through the country, and what King Hezekiah had done was he dug a 1,700-foot tunnel through the mountains to a spring. He camouflaged and hid the spring, and so they had water coming into Jerusalem during the siege, which helped them to survive. Very practical preparation. Very practical preparation, because when armies would lay siege to cities, the first thing they would do was cut off the water source. So King Hezekiah was wise. He thought through, he planned, he prepared for the priority, which was water, to be present for his people, right? Then we saw also that there was a spiritual component to the preparation, and that's what Psalm 46 was about. God is our refuge, our strength, right? A very present help. And so... Kind of, as we move forward in the times that uh, we are in as a world, as a country, as Ventura County, if you've been following the news, Ventura County now has, you know, it's come to Ventura County, um, and things have gone out from the Department of Health uh, to schools and organizations to prepare. Uh, You know, there's elements of physical preparation and spiritual preparation that we all, as believers, as citizens of this country, need to really take to heart and seek the Lord. Seek the Lord for you, your family, uh, and what that may mean. Here's a church to prepare you to equip us spiritually. Last week, I, I shared a little bit about some of the practical things uh, that we're doing at the church level, uh, just in case, in case things get to the place where uh, we may not be able to gather for a bit of time because... The powers that be say that that's not a good idea, right? Um, And so uh, I want to encourage you a couple things. Uh, If if things kind of go that direction, I really want to encourage you, and if you're listening online or watching this, uh, our primary means of communication to you is going to be the church app and the church website, okay? So if you have not downloaded the app I encourage you to download the app. If you've not visited the church website, I encourage you to click on there. Just, just kind of, you know, explore, get comfortable with it. Uh, one of the things that we prepped that I talked about last Sunday 
was uh, how are we going to stay in communication? Because God made us to be relational beings, right? Covenant beings. And so King Hezekiah recognized that the priority was what? Water, right? So as a church, what, is, what are the priorities that come to my heart when I think about contingencies? One, the word of God going out. First and foremost, we've got to get the word of God out, and that's going to happen through the website. And that's why we're videotaping these. I, I received a really nice text from someone this week that uh, actually watched the video of a sermon and said, you know, it is so nice to watch it. I feel more connected. So we're going to continue to videotape if we need to. If we're not able to gather, we're going to put possibly more content out there just to keep the word of God going out there. The other component uh, is what we called life groups, online life groups. An opportunity for you to gather online with some brothers and sisters in Christ and just chat, pray, have a Bible study. And we are taking steps along that line to do that. Now, if it comes to this, here's, well, here's why I'm saying you need the app and the website. If it comes to us not being able to gather physically and, and needing to do a live stream or connect a small group, uh, there will be a link, and we've already prepped this if it, if it needs to. It's not on there right now, but we're already ready to set up a link on the website where you click the link, it comes to our Contact Us page, and you give us your email, and we put you on the invitation list. And if you would like to participate online, you'll get invitations. And all you have to do is click the Join Meeting, and you can do it from a, a Mac, a PC, your phones, If you don't have a camera, you can come on and just listen, okay? That is already in place. It's not up there on the website yet. I'm just telling you, if it comes to that, there will be an opportunity, if you so desire, to join live people and talk to someone live, you have that capability. Uh, We've taken a step this week. I actually hosted a meeting, and I wanted to show you what it looks like. If you're not familiar with web conferencing at all, how many of you have no idea what web conferencing even looks like? Okay, so... I hosted a meeting to let you know if this happens, this is what it's going to look like on your computer screen. There we are. (laughs) There we are. And we took a screenshot of all of us, and we were all live, and you could talk to one another, and we just kind of were celebrating. I wanted to show this to you to kind of take the, ooh, what does that even mean? You know, what does that look like? It's just a bunch of us online together chatting and sharing life. And so I just wanted to, to put that out just to kind of, if you're not familiar with web conferencing and what that might look like, that's what it is. You, you, you click in from wherever you are, and it's live, and we share lives because we're doing life. Yeah. And together, okay, in these times, sometimes we're just going to have to be creative. Amen? Yeah. So I just share that with you that if it comes to that, we're already there, and um, there will be a way for you to uh, let us know that you want to be a part of that. Okay? Amen? All right. So uh, we're going to move on and just, again, I, I really um, try to stay informed. And it was really interesting. The governor of New York, as New York is now having to uh, deal with this in a practical way, the governor of New York yesterday, he, he, he made a, a statement that, that I thought was very interesting um, because he's speaking of the protocols and everything they're doing, the testing and, and everything on the, the physical side. Uh, but then I thought of it, you know, this is that pastor mind that you just can't ever let, let, let loose. He says this. He says, I'm not urging calm, 
I'm urging reality. I'm urging a factual response as opposed to an emotional response. The part that got me was, I'm urging reality. I'm urging a factual response as opposed to an emotional response, right? And so the pastor in me goes, okay, great, yeah. We need to have a spiritual reality response. Not an emotional not a caught up in the hype and everything, but if we're going to maneuver through this as a church, and if you're going to do it Monday through Saturday individually, what is going to be your spiritual reality that you are going to use? What, what is your spiritual foundation? Right? Because a lot in the church are still emotion driven, a lot in the church are still media driven. Right? What is the spiritual reality? That is going to be the basis for your response moving forward. And, and I, I thought, be, you know, I was sent on an errand uh, to Costco this week. So I got there, uh, I think it was Thursday before they opened. And, you know, if you've ever been to Costco before they open, everyone gets a cart and they all kind of like fan out in front of the doors, right? So at 9.30 or so, the doors open and everyone does the shuffle. Because you try not to be mean, but everyone's just sort of like funneling into Costco, and so I get in, you know, and they have the sanitation wipes. Everyone's wiping their, their cart handles off. And that was very interesting because 90-plus percent of the people headed to the back of Costco in Oxnard. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting, right? So I had to pick some stuff up back there too. So I'm like there, and 90-plus percent of the people went right to the water, right? And if you've been in Costco lately... 90 plus percent of the carts have either uh, water or toilet paper or both, right? And it was really interesting because I had to pick up some other things and I'm walking around doing my Costco thing. And it's really interesting because you know what's on everyone's mind. It's, it's, it's apparent because it's in their cart, but no one's, no one's really talking about it. Right. And then there was one shopper that had a mask on and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, what what other people, how they're processing seeing that. Right. But it's just below the surface. And again, this this pastoral mindset that I can't get away from. I'm going through Costco and I'm looking at everyone and I'm looking at all the carts and I'm just asking myself, how are they processing this? What 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 is the basis for what's driving their decisions to buy what they're buying, to feel what they're feeling. It was really interesting to be in that situation, you know, in a, in a diverse environment, and just wonder what is driving them? What is the foundation of their life that is really the genesis of how they're reacting to this whole scenario? That it, you know, and, and it's a reminder that, hey, we're all in this together, Right, so it's kind of cool because uh, when I was there, you know, you get this sort of sense of of communal, like we're all in this, and people are helping each other, and they're loading, you know, the waters into the carts for the ladies who can't open, you know, carry the big waters. It was really kind of cool. It was a very communal, loving environment. But I just wondered, how are they processing this? What is the what is the foundation driving them, right? And I thought, you know, this is an incredible time to be in the book of Ephesians, to start Ephesians, right? And so Ephesians 1 and 2 says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, 
to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So Ephesians. Many of us, you know, it's one of the books of the Bible. And actually Ephesians is a letter. There's a word called an epistle. So it's a letter. And the title of, of this message and maybe the whole series is, You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail. And, and, and this morning we're going to introduce it because Ephesians is, is kind of unique. It's kind of different than, than some of other uh, letters written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, for instance, Corinthians and other letters. What Paul was writing in his letter in, to the Corinthians was there was problems that needed to be fixed. There were some issues in the church, and he was addressing it. He was bringing correction. Ephesians is different. It's not really a fix-it letter. It's more of a he, do this letter. It's more of a foundation laying of how we're to be followers of Jesus. Okay? And if, as we go forward, you're going to see... Uh, some of the core practical applications that we're going to come across is, well, how is the church supposed, supposed to function, right? How is marriage supposed to function? Spiritual warfare. What do we do with, with spiritual warfare? So it's very much of a, hey, here's how it works, very practical. This is what you do as a saint letter versus a fix-it letter, okay? And that's, that's really important. And, and I love some of, the, some of the descriptions of it. John Stott says this, the letter to the Ephesians is a marvelously concise yet comprehensive summary of the Christian good news and its implications. Nobody can read it without being moved to wonder and worship and challenged to consistency of life. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, Much of the trouble in the church today is due to the fact that we are so subjective, so interested in ourselves, so egocentric. Having forgotten God and having become so interested in ourselves, we become miserable and wretched and spend our time in shallows and in miseries. The message of the Bible from beginning to end is designed to bring us back to God, to humble us before God, and to enable us to see our true relationship to him. And that is the great theme of this epistle. Ephesians, right? Foundation foundation laying, right? So the city of Ephesus, there's a map there just to kind of give you an idea. The city of Ephesus, you see it right there below the word Turkey, right? On that map on the screens. That's where Ephesus was located, kind of very, very strategic. In fact, it's, it's, someone described it as the first and greatest metropolis of Asia. It was a very strategic trade location, okay? Its harbor was able to uh, have the largest trading ships of those time come into the harbor. Very wealthy, extremely wealthy city, right? It became the capital of the Asian province of the Roman Empire, population about 250,000 people. And it was known as the center of pagan worship because there was a temple of the Greek goddess Artemis, also known as Diana in Roman, uh, Roman terms, considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, right? So you would go there and there's a picture of the temple, Okay. So extremely wealthy, people from all over coming in and out, right? Temple of Artemis is there. And yet all of that led to great moral decay, right? One writer describes Ephesus like this. 
Ephesus rivaled Corinth as the quote-unquote filth capital of the Roman world. People from all over the world came to Ephesus to see the temple of Artemis and to patronize the sacred prostitutes whose services were offered as a consummation of worship. Sin was at the very heart of religion in Ephesus. I'm reading various descriptions of Ephesus, and I'm thinking, SoCal. I'm thinking Sin City in Nevada, right? Not much difference if you read descriptions of the wealth and opulence and moral decay in, in Ephesus. Not much different than the culture we're living in. So it's very real. Paul was writing to saints in a culture not too different than the culture you and I are surrounded with, even in beautiful Ojai Valley, right? And that's why there's significance to this book, because it's foundational for you and I. How are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to follow Jesus in this culture? Well, that's why he wrote it to the believers in Ephesus, right? How were they supposed to do it? Now, What's interesting is that in verse 2, actually in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, right? How many of you like still like getting snail mail, right? You go to the, right? And, and oftentimes, right, I have a bunch of kids, big families, so I go get the mail, right? And one of the questions, did I get anything? Right? Did I get anything in the mail today? And, you know, I look through, no, 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 no. Well, this is a letter addressed to a specific audience, right? To the saints. To the saints. So in, in one sense, if you're a saint, you've got mail, right? To say, hey, yeah, you got something today. Oh, yeah, who's it from? The IRS. What? Right? Whoever it's from, oh, no, it's from so-and-so. It's just junk mail, right? Or whatever it might be. So suddenly it's addressed to you, and who it's from matters. Right? Some of it you'll just toss. Some of it you'll just open really quickly because, it. oh, man, maybe it's my refund check or whatever, right? And so here you have mail, and it's from Paul. And next week we're going to talk about the sender. We're going to focus on Paul. But today I want to focus on you as the recipient. Because Paul wrote to the saints. Now, it sounds really basic, but if you have not yet settled the issue of your sainthood, Ephesians is not really going to make sense in the way that it should. It's a very personal letter to a very specific audience, to the saints in Ephesus, right? So we fast forward to 2020, to the saints in Ojai. Is that you? You know? Is that you? Because what is a saint? It's really interesting, right? Saint, depending on your church upbringing, that conjures up all kinds of images and assumptions. Paul uses the word nine times in his letter. Okay? So it's an important word. Dictionary.com, here's the world's definition. A person of great holiness, virtue, or benevolence. Is that you? A person of great holiness, virtue, and benevolence. Just turn to the person next to you and give them a smile. Is that you? Yeah, right? Right? Because there's this process called canonization, if you're familiar. Canonization means someone dies, 
And then they go through a process where their life is now examined, including whether or not they may be responsible for a couple miracles. And so someone dies, their life is examined, and then there's a ter- determination made whether they should be a, a, you know, crowned a saint. That's kind of how many of us grew up with saint. And yet, Paul says to the saints, so they're not dead, they're alive. Right? <laughs> Amen, right? <laughs> right? So, so we have to understand what is the biblical definition of saint? Because some of you in here may not yet be at peace with the fact that you're a saint. You're a saint, right? Simple definition, the word saint means one who has been set apart. One who has been set apart. The Greek word is is related to the word sanctified and even holy, okay? So when you put your faith in Jesus, you're born again, you're placed in Christ, you're set apart by God for God, okay? Okay? So a saint, biblically, is someone who's alive spiritually and physically, okay? You're set apart. The key for understanding biblical sainthood is it has to do with your position or your standing in Christ, okay? It's your position or standing in Christ because of what Jesus has done, okay? So here's the thing. Every believer is a saint positionally. Every believer is a saint positionally because you're in Christ. You've been set apart by God for God's purposes. So if you're a believer right here, right now, you are a now turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, Saint. Go ahead. Just call them Saint, uh, Saint Betty, right? Saint Scott, right? Saint Martin, Saint John, right? Okay. How many of you feel a little bit awkward being called a saint, right? How many of you love the fact that you're a saint? You're like, yeah, right? Okay, right? Why is it a little bit awkward? It's because biblical sainthood is a position, but we're all aware of our practice. So we're called saints, but how many of you this week, maybe once or twice or more, didn't act very saintly? Right? So kind of like, okay, I'm a saint, but I didn't, wasn't really saintly. How does this work? Did I lose my sainthood? Right? Is, is there, you know, three strikes and I'm out and then I got to re-up? No. Right? So positionally, we're all saints. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Right? Justification, legal declaration, not guilty, fully righteous. Not guilty, fully righteous, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You're a saint in God's eyes, right? In fact, one writer says, hey, at one time, we were all ain'ts. And through faith in Jesus, we became, right? We were once ain'ts, and then we became saints through faith in Jesus. I love Ephesians 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen? Amen. I love that. Ain'ts to saints. That's what that passage is, right? Ain'ts to saints. Now, positionally, we're saints. We are called to be saintly, right? In Ephesians 1, it says, to the saints in Ephesus who are faithful, Faithful. There's kind of a dual meaning in that faithful. Faithful to have believed the gospel, but also faithful to live out who you are practically. Right? 1 Peter 1.13 says this, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy. Again, holy and saint, same word. Very, very much related. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, what does that mean? Be set apart. You are a saint positionally. When you leave here, just live as a saint practically. Okay? That's what Ephesians is all about. At the core is, hey, saints, this is how you live saintly. That's what Ephesians is about. Right? One, one writer kind of put questions to this. Dearly beloved of God, does your present practice match your privileged position? Are you being faithful to live a set-apart life in a society where all lines of decency and morality have been virtually completely eroded? As children of the living God, may our conduct match our creed. That's really the core of Ephesians. Hey, saints, live saintly lives. Be who you are. Positionally, be who you are practically. Now, sounds real simple. Here's... Maybe a couple challenges for us. If I come to the place where I recognize positionally I am a saint, I also recognize my responsibilities, right? Some of you have heard that quote, you know, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Well, sometimes people in the church, we are reluctant As good as it sounds, we may be reluctant, hesitant, resistant to actually embracing our position. Why? For whatever reason, we're unwilling to also accept the responsibilities that come with that great privilege. Okay, so so just kind of, it's amazing, right? We're going to start the book of Ephesians. Okay, verse (laughs) 1. Because we have to really settle some issues about identity. Right, one of my kids, uh, she moved away, and, and we had some great conversations about this hashtag adulting. Right, real common thing. Right, hashtag adulting, and and she's talking to me and sharing with me about you know the challenges of being on her own, and you know having to you know know how much food to buy before it spoils, and you know all this kind of stuff. Right, and she goes, "This adulting, 
this adulting, it's hard, Dad. I'm like, I know, right? And there's a learning curve to hashtag adulting. Well, when it comes to adulting, you can embrace it and the successes and failures as you learn and grow into adulting, or you can do what a, you know, a lot of people do, big percentage right now, they just they never want to grow up. They don't want to accept the responsibility that comes with adulting, right? They want all the privileges of adulthood. But when it comes to the responsibilities of adulthood, eh, eh, eh. well, it's kind of what happens in the church. We celebrate sainthood. We celebrate our names being in the book of life and all the things that we hear. But sometimes maybe we're resistant to accepting the responsibilities that come with the privilege of being St. Randy or St. Mike, right? St. Tracy, right? St. Kathy, right? Like, okay, wow. It's a great privilege. But how are you at the place now where you say, okay, Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I accept the responsibility that comes with that. I'm set apart by God. Here's a, we've got to keep going. For God. Right? He doesn't just save you and make a little statue of you. St. John. John, we're going to put you up on the shelf. Just stay right there, John, and we're just going to look at you. Right? That's not how it works. He calls you a saint. He puts you, he sets you apart into sainthood, and then he sends you out to be a saint. Not for people to come here and look at how saintly you are. No. You're positionally a saint to go be a saint. Here's the crazy thing. To make more saints. To make more saints, right? Because there's a bunch of ain'ts that need to be saints, right? And how, how are they going to do that? By seeing what a saint, how a saint lives. How a saint even maneuvers through this culture and this situation that we're facing. You see, your testimony, the power of it right now, is an incredible opportunity because there is so much fear out there that if you as a saint conduct yourselves in a biblical way, God can use you in a powerful way to bring truth and calm and peace, a biblical perspective to people who are right now out there. There's a lot of head scratching. You know, the stock market, a lot of people lost a lot, what they were banking on for their security, right? The, the fear of, of, you know, becoming ill, a lot of people are challenged with mortality, finiteness. So as saints, we have an opportunity to be saints, just to be saints, right? And so... Take the time, take the time seriously today, this week, and really discipline yourself to really work through the idea that you are positionally a saint and that the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to you. You've got mail, saint, to the saints in Ojai. Faithful in Christ Jesus. This is to us. 
But if, if it's going to make sense, if it's going to penetrate our heart to our heart level, we have to accept the responsibility that comes with sainthood because he's going to be very practical. He's going to be very real. And you're going to have to take it personally. This is what we're supposed to do. So it's not a condemning message. It's a celebration message. When was the last time you celebrated your sainthood? Because how many of you tend to, as a follower of Jesus, how many of you tend to keep score in the negative, like all the things you didn't do? Where you blew it, how you didn't measure up, God must be mad at you again, right? Right? We tend to be our own worst critic, you know, and we just beat ourselves up, and we focus on all our shortcomings. When was the last time you said, I'm a saint? I'm a saint, right? I remember growing up and, and you know... Uh, Sometimes for sports and stuff, we had tryouts, you know, and then they would post the list after tryouts and not everyone made it right. And you would show up at school or they would post it after school and you kind of go to the locker room and you're like, did I make it? Did I make the team? Did I make the team? Right. Well, here's the crazy thing through faith in Jesus. You made the team. You're on the team. When is the last time you celebrated being on the team? You're in. You got to get this because the, the letter to Ephesians is a joyful letter. It's meant to not say, hey, you're blowing it, you're blowing it, you're blowing it. He says, you're a saint already. Just do this, team. This is how we do it. This is how we move forward into the culture because you're already on the team, right? The saints, that's us. Right? Name written in the book of life. New creation. Clothed in the righteousness of, of Christ. Right now, as you sit here positionally, Father is pleased with you. Right? Years ago, I went through a series, you know, where we looked at CLAP. Clap. Right? Some of you were here for that. If you're a saint, you are what? It's up in there. You are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. Amen? Yeah. Right? All right. So we're going to say this again because you got to get this. You got to celebrate who you are as a saint, right? So if you are a saint, let's say it together. You are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. You got to get this. You got to get this. I've shared that was so helpful for me as a young believer, even coming into ministry when I've, I would have opportunities to speak and I would get nervous, right? Especially if it's a group I don't know. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to do the chapel at Teen Challenge on Thursday. Uh, Tyler came with me. That was a great, great time with the ladies at Teen, Teen Challenge. But even then I get a little bit nervous because I'm used to you and this is my home turf, you know? I go somewhere else and I'm new and then like, right? And so I have to remind myself. And sometimes when I get nervous, I will, I'll just do this. And it's kind of like my own, I'll just go. It reminds me in that moment, slow down. Don't get caught up in the approval of man. Why are you so scared? Why do you give man so much power over you? Why are you so scared of rejection? Why are you so scared of what they think? Why are you, why are you so hungry for their approval? They're just man, right? So when I get tied up in that, even before I speak, I'll just kind of do this. And I'll go, no, I am complete, I am loved, I am accepted, I am pleasing. And you know what? It brings me right back to this, my covenant relationship as a saint. Amen? 
right? Complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. If you will get this from here to here, if you will embrace your sainthood, you know what's going to, what, what, what is an, uh, a consequence? Freedom. Joy. Because right now, right, what are people caught up in? Instagram and Facebook likes, right, and being followed. Everyone out there is all on social media, and they all want man to approve and thumbs up and thumbs down and not follow. People are so consumed with the opinion of others, consumed with the approval of others. They have given human beings so much power over their life, right? You understand who you are in Christ as a saint. You understand you are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing, you're no longer in bondage to the fear of man. You are free in Christ. Free. And that's the heart. That's my heart as we launch into this letter. You've got mail. And he says, it's addressed to you, saint. Question is, do you believe you're a saint? Do you accept the joy of that, but also the responsibility? And maybe you're here, maybe you're listening. I want to encourage you if you uh, maybe say, I don't know if I'm a saint. Maybe I'm still an ain't. Well, we were all ain'ts. How many of you praise God that you're not an ain't, right? We were all ain'ts. And if you happen to be one of them and you've never put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Trust Jesus. I know it's crazy. I know sometimes you're like, what? What? Not by works? No. No. It's by faith in the finished work of Jesus on Calvary, on the cross? Yeah. Yeah. Trust him as your Savior and Lord? Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. Declared not guilty, fully righteous, you go from saint to saint through faith in Jesus. So I encourage you. You know, settle that issue. And then as we move forward uh, in the weeks ahead through Ephesians, it's a personal letter to you. It's a personal letter to you. As I was uh, thinking of this, I thought of uh, the movie Lion King way back. Remember Lion King? And you remember uh, Simba goes into exile, and Simba is the son of Mufasa, the king. But Simba's out there in exile, and he's struggling with his identity. He doesn't know what to do. He's struggling with taking his place as the rightful king back in the, in the land, right? And then uh, Rafiki, the little monkey, brings Simba to the water, and, and Mufasa supernaturally appears in the clouds. And I love what Mufasa said over and over and over to Simba. Remember who you are. Remember who you are, right? That changed everything for Simba. Once he understood and accepted who he was as the son of the king, his whole life changed. Once you accept who you are as a saint, as a child of God, it will change. It will change. And why will it change? Because you see you different. Right? 
I share with you oftentimes beliefs, thoughts, emotions, actions. If you get to the point of believing you're a saint, you're going to think different about yourself, you're going to feel different about yourself, and by golly, you're going to act differently. Just simply believing at the core level that you're a saint will impact your saintliness. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because Ephesians 1.1 says, you got mail. You got mail, and it's sent to you by the Apostle Paul. And he has some very specific things for us, not just to learn but to do, all for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that we have an incredible opportunity as saints positionally to leave here today and make a difference by being saints practically. All for your glory, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who maybe have been struggling with really accepting who they are in Christ. Maybe the devil has got them all twisted up and and throws accusations. Maybe they're consumed with keeping score and they focus on all the things they've not been doing. Maybe they've been consumed with the fear of man, seeking man's approval, afraid of failure, afraid of what so-and-so is going to think about me. Father, my prayer for us this morning is that we would truly celebrate that we are saints in Christ, that you are pleased that we're on your team through faith in Jesus. And Father, for those who haven't yet made that decision, I pray that you would put your faith in Jesus this morning. Trust him. Lean completely on his finished work at Calvary. Believe that Jesus Christ was crucified, died, rose again, paid the penalty for your sin. Father, thank you so much. And when we leave here and perhaps doubt comes, perhaps distractions come from the media or from circumstances, I pray that we would remember who we are. We are saints. We are children of God. Our names are written in the book of life. Thank you, Father. Thank you.
I love you, Lord. Psalm 31 says, I trust in you, O Lord. And I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. We come to the communion table and we do this every week here. we come to the communion table every week. We come because 